sidekick and co-host Austin. And today, before we get started, we are going to shout out some new Patreons. So, Lindsay Gomez. Hell yeah. And Marissa Richardson. Hell yeah. Hey, girl. Hey. Oh, yeah. So, um, today's episode is going to be about the murder of Ryan Poston. And then tomorrow night, we are going to be recording the episode on BTK. And this is a really big story that has been requested by a lot of people. BTK is going to be nuts. So what we're going to do is we're going to record it tomorrow night. I'll put it on Patreon, and it'll be on Patreon all week, and then it will be posted to Spotify the following week. You're going to want to listen to it. I recommend paying. (laughs) (laughs) Austin doesn't know anything about BTK. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? Stop. Don't paint me out to be some idiot sidekick. All right? Austin, I've never done that. Okay. (laughs) I think everyone already just knows. (laughs) Austin, it's very well known that you don't know anything about true crime. Yeah, but how could you not know about BTK? Exactly. How could you not know? Right. So let's get into today's episode. (laughs) Okay. So... Anyway, listen for BTK. It's going to be a big one. Austin, I'm just going to shock the hell out of him. You guys just wait and see. It's going to be great. So, all right. Back when we started this podcast, early on, we covered the case of Jody Arias and Tra- Travis Alexander during episode 10. Do you remember that, Austin? No. Oh. It was an incredibly bizarre case as Jody behaved so erratically and committed a heinous crime against Travis Alexander. Remember, she was the ex-girlfriend. Um, she became Mormon to be with Travis and then shot him while he was in the shower and then left him there. And remember, she was like singing and dancing around in the, in the uh, interrogation room. Not ringing any bells. Maybe you weren't on that episode. I don't remember. I don't know. I suggest you go back and listen to it. Okay. Anyway. I record these. I don't listen to them. (laughs) But I do do enjoy hearing them live. (laughs) Anyway. So it was really fascinating because it was just all so out there, making me think that this was not like a super common thing, right? Domestic violence is a crime that typically occurs against women, with a woman being assaulted or beaten every nine seconds in the U.S., It is the leading cause of injury to women, more than car accidents, muggings, and rapes combined. So while it's clear that women are a more prevalent target, I guess, of domestic abuse, we can't discount the fact that men are sometimes victims as well. And today, we are discussing the case, very similar to Jody and Travis, but this is the case of Ryan Poston and Shayna Hubers. So... Ryan Carter Poston was born on December 30th of 1982 in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, to Jay and Lisa Poston. His parents divorced when he was pretty young, and his mom remarried a man named Peter Carter. So Peter raised Ryan as if he was his own, and he ended up with three younger sisters, Allison, Catherine, and Elizabeth, all of whom he was very protective over. So Ryan was very close with his stepdad, and as a tribute to his stepdad, he changed his middle name to Carter. 
But this is not to say that he was not close with his biological dad. In fact, they blended their family and spent holidays together to give Ryan like a really well-rounded childhood. Very so cool. he had a close relationship with both. Very cool. Ryan's family was very well connected. He went to a private school called Blessed Sacrament School in Fort Mitchell. Then in high school, his family moved to the Philippines, where Ryan attended the International School of Manila. Then they moved to Switzerland, where Ryan attended the International School of Geneva. And when his family moved back to the States, Ryan attended Indiana University, where he triple majored in history, geography, and political science. So this dude was smart. Super smart. So Ryan came from a family of lawyers. So it was no surprise after graduation when he went to law school at the Salmon P. Chase College of Law at Northern Kentucky University in Highland Heights, which is in Kentucky. Obviously. Duh, Kelly. I just said Northern. Forget it. Okay. Babe, that was a mouthful, to be honest with you. Northern Kentucky University in Highland Heights, which is in Kentucky. Yeah, I would have just had a law school in Kentucky. But that's why I'm not the host. Exactly. So after graduation and passing the bar, Ryan began working as an attorney in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is only 12 minutes away from Highland Heights. I looked it up because I was like, Cincinnati, Ohio. I don't know why I felt that was so much farther away than Kentucky. No, they're like, yeah, when you fly into Cincinnati, you fly into the Kentucky airport, which is right over the river. Yeah. To my knowledge, I think that's what I've always done. Yeah, right. I I had no idea. Um, I'm not very... I am geographically challenged. Let's just say that. So according to Ryan's friends, he was kind of like this international man of mystery. Anytime he would walk into a room, women would just flock to him. He was exceptionally good-looking, good at chess, very smart, loved to discuss worldly events, but he was also very charismatic. So needless to say, he had no problem in the dating arena. So in 2011, Ryan is 28 years old, and he's fresh out of a serious relationship when he meets Shayna Hubers on Facebook. So Shayna was only 19 years old at the time. And he was 28? 28. Divide by two, add seven, 14, 21. That's not allowed. Oh, my God. There's your first sign. So Austin has this rule that you can only date... Your age divided by two plus seven. It's accurate in every single way. It's accurate in terms of legality, and it's accurate in terms of if you're 60, you could be with a 37-year-old. Hell yeah. So it's all accurate across the board. So if you're ever wondering wondering how young a person I could date, divide by two, add seven. How low can you go? Divide by two, add seven. Back to the show. So in this case, it's just going to prove your whole point. So... She's only 19 at the time. She was friends with Ryan's step-cousin, Carissa Carlisle. So Shayna was a super smart girl. She was always in AP classes, earning numerous awards for academic leadership and excellence. She was involved in music and drama. And her friends recalled that she kind of had a flair for the dramatics, especially when it came to boys. She never handled breakups super well, but... When you're in high school, I don't really know that anybody handles breakups really well. I mean, everyone's immature. Yeah, nobody has a mature breakup. Like, yeah, we're still friends, though. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. (coughs) But Shayna had an especially hard time getting over these breakups because she either hated losing or she had an extreme fear of being abandoned or not feeling good enough. And I think Shayna was accustomed to things kind of coming easy to her. So when boys didn't have interest in her... 
or they did and then they lost interest, she took it very, very personally. Like, why isn't, like, I guess it probably was a struggle in her mind because she was acing all these courses and that all came easy to her, but she cannot hang on to a relationship. So yeah, she probably just hated to lose, I guess. Interesting dynamic. Or she just wanted attention. Or maybe that. So she herself was also very good looking. So it seemed like a very natural fit when she hooked up with Ryan Poston. Shayna was studying psychology at the University of Kentucky in Lexington at the time, which was about 80 miles away from Ryan's apartment. And friends of hers remember her kind of yearning for a better life for herself. This is before and after she met Ryan. She grew up in a middle-class neighborhood, and while that's nothing to be ashamed of, she just really seemed to have a strong desire for, like, the more blue-blooded, old-money type of lifestyle, right? So when she met and started dating Ryan, some people felt like this was her ticket to the life she really wanted. But right from the get-go, friends started seeing red flags in Shayna and Ryan's relationship. I mentioned earlier Ryan had just gotten out of a serious relationship, and her name was Lauren. And Shayna felt super threatened by Lauren. And Lauren was really pretty, a blonde girl, but they were broken up, so you leave it alone, right? When they first got together and Shayna was meeting some of Ryan's friends, she would ask his friends if they all knew that Shayna was his girlfriend now and if they thought Shayna was prettier than Lauren. But a lot of Ryan's friends remembered that he wouldn't really claim Shayna as his girlfriend. According to one of Ryan's friends, Allie Wagner, she said that when she met Shayna for the first time, she was super cold. And you could just immediately tell that she was obsessed with him. And she thought that she had a goal in the beginning to, like, make him settle down with her. And I think everyone probably knows a girl like this who is just very um, territorial of her man. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't look at other girls. You can't talk to other girls. You can't have girlfriends. Like, just very, very insecure. I mean, that's what it ultimately comes down to is, like, a deep-rooted insecurity. But Shayna was taking this to the max. Like, can you imagine that? I mean, I can, I guess, because I'm a girl and I've seen girls do crazy things. But to go up to his friends and be like, who all know Lauren, and be like, am I prettier than her? That's just super insecure and immature. It's so immature. So divide by two out of seven. She's 19. Not That's probably part of the reason. Yeah. We're sticking to your rule, Austin. I'm, I'm a believer. Okay? I'm not doubting your rule. So truth be told, Ryan lost interest in Shayna rather quickly, but had a hard time completely cutting her out of his life because he was just a really nice guy. He hated hurting people's feelings. And Shayna admitted that sometimes he would just keep talking to her because she made him feel so guilty when she would cry about it. He would try to break up with her and she would cry and beg. And he just felt so awful that he just kind of felt obligated to stay with her. Not, not a healthy situation. But Ryan was very, very busy with work, and that was really his top priority. In fact, I know he had some issues going going on at work. He had a previous partner that he had kind of had a falling out with, and this previous partner was trying to sue him for something. And Ryan, in the meantime, was trying to open up his own practice. And so, I mean, you can just imagine all all that stress, right? So when Shayna began to interfere with his work, he really did try to break things off gently, but they would just always end up back together. They would break up, get back together, break up, get back together. And this went on for about 18 months. 
Ryan, like I said, really didn't want to hurt Shayna's feelings. Shayna would simply not take no for an answer. But then it got to a point where every time they would break up, she leveled up on her crazy. She would show up at his work or at his condo unannounced and refuse to leave. One night, Ryan actually had to leave his condo and go stay at his dad's because she was refusing to leave his place. She also hacked into his Facebook account, unfriending all of his female friends and sending a lot of them private messages. In a text to his cousin, Ryan wrote, quote, this is getting to be restraining order level crazy. She's shown up, shown up at my condo like three times and refuses to leave each time, end quote. In another text to a friend, he wrote, quote, I received 75 text messages from her. I am emotionally and mentally spent. I hope she leaves me alone, end quote. What is that? We got a stage five clinger. That's a stage five clinger alert. <laughs> okay. You looked over here like, what are you, what doing? Are you doing? What are these wind chimes? That was just, a, I was trying to play a, but I clicked the wrong one. That's just saying. She's a clinger. Go ahead. Oh, God. Yeah, we need to come up with like a little soundboard where we have like buttons. We need something where you can hit the space bar and it's like, beep, beep, beep. stage five clinger alert. Yeah. Pre-recorded messages. Oh, no. We got a stage five clinger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she would send, at the end of the day, it came out to him sending one text message to her every 100 messages. So, like, that's how they ratioed it out. Man, was, I'm going to be honest. If somebody texts me, like, four or five times, I get so tired of it. A hundred? Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be an instant block. Girl, take the hint. He is just not that into you. There's that's a movie a about that. So, I know some of you might be thinking, why not just get a restraining order then? Well, in this area, you could only qualify for getting a restraining order if you actually lived with the person. And since they weren't living together, that's why he wasn't able to get a restraining order against her. So, anyway, I don't know why he didn't just block her. Probably because he knew she'd show up anyway. I don't know. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you can ask yourself all these questions when you're not in a situation like this. But until you're going through it, I just, I just finished reading this book called It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. Super good book. Um, if you guys are interested in reading, I highly recommend it. But it really is kind of eye-opening to just the the variety of different kind of emotionally or physically abusive relationships. And it kind of just opens up, it kind of opened up my mind a little bit. Like, man, there's so much that like goes on in relationships that you really just don't know. And when you hear about it from someone else, you can judge how you might handle it. But until you're actually in it, you really don't know how you'll react. How you would react. So anyway, it ends with us by Colleen Hoover. It's a really good book, but it just kind of reminded me of this situation. So, To another friend, Ryan texted, quote, literally probably the craziest fucking person I have ever met. She almost scares me, end quote. But on the other side of the coin here are Shayna's version of events. She complained to Ryan's neighbor, Nikki Carnes, that Ryan was emotionally abusive to Shayna. So Nikki said, quote, she would always tell me that he would say she needed a boob job or a facelift and that she was fat and needed to lose some weight, end quote. She added that Shayna did absolutely everything for Ryan, completely doting on him. She did his laundry, cleaned his condo, took care of his dogs, bought him food. But you have to ask yourself, first of all, 
So many questions. First of all, is that the truth? I mean, did he really say those things? Pictures of her, she looks great. I can't imagine telling someone to get a boob job facelift or that she was fat. I mean, I don't know if that's true. And I'll never know if that's true because one of the people in this story is dead. So we're never going to know the real actual truth. But we only know from people who have, um, you know, spoke up on Ryan's behalf that he was a really nice guy. They found that really hard to believe that he would ever speak like that to her. They never heard him raise his voice to her. They never saw him, like, fight with her. It was always him just trying to, like, diffuse the situations, right? And, you know, as far as all the chores and things that she would do for him, I mean, was that just a desperate attempt to keep Ryan in her life? Or was this an attempt to make Ryan look bad so that she could excuse her own actions? Because one of his close friends said in the 10 years that she knew him, he never once raised his voice. He was always the same super nerdy, super sweet guy. So I don't know. I mean, I also know people can be really manipulative and be like, how can you break up with me when I've done all these things for you? I do your laundry. I do your cooking. I do your cleaning. I take mm-hmm. care of your dogs. Like, how can you break up with me? It's very manipulative. Right. So Ryan's friend and mentor, Ken Hawley, said that, quote, Shauna would text Ryan 50 to 100 times a day. She would just wear him down and exhaust him to the point where he would just say, okay, Shana. He kept doing thing, the easy thing, which was just staying with her. End quote. We see this all the time in domestic abuse situations, but it's usually in the reverse, where a man is just wearing down a woman, and then people wonder why you stay, and sometimes it's the easy thing, or sometimes you feel more financially secure, or whatever. Like, everybody has their reasons, right? So I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be fair to judge Ryan for staying, because I, I don't think... I think it's what most people would do. Yeah. And I think that... And I think... It's I kind do of a testament. he wanted out. It's kind of a testament to... Though, like anything in life, like the thing you know you should do, the thing that's scary, which is leaving, is what you should do. But you right. don't want to take that route because it's it's the harder it's the, really it's hard the harder route. Yeah, yeah. So on the night of October 11th of 2012, Ryan and Shayna were at Ryan's parents' house to watch the vice presidential debates between Joe Biden and Paul Ryan. At one point during the evening, Ryan was talking to his stepdad about his relationship with Shayna and told him that he was planning on really, truly ending things with Shayna. He was done. He even had a date lined up for the following night with Miss Ohio, Audrey Bolt. He had plans to meet her the yeah, following she's night. she's so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a doll, like an actual doll. She's gorgeous. It was rolling my eyes, just for the record. I appreciate that, Austin, because I'm pregnant and you're trying to be nice, but you don't have to be a liar. Okay, she's gorgeous. You can look her up. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. So he had plans to meet with her the following night at a bar, but he never made it. Not much is truly known about what really, truly happened on the night of October 12th. 2012. But what we do know is that at some point, Shayna showed up at Ryan's condo that night and she made it in whether he welcomed her in or not. And at some point, there was an altercation and common sense just leads me to assume, okay, I am assuming that he probably wanted her to leave and she refused. And maybe at some point he told her that he had a date with someone else and that it was over. And Pretty fair assumption. Yeah. Because, I mean, he 
he was excited to go on this date. Who wouldn't be? It's Miss Ohio. Like, she's gorgeous. Toledo, Miss Ohio. That's the best ass I've seen in a while. That's Eminem song. <laughs> Thank you. So You're welcome. Anyway, I believe that an unstable Shayna probably heard this, and it just enraged her, and she snapped, picking up a loaded gun and shooting Ryan six times. Holy shit. I was wondering how you were going to say it happened. Yeah. She shot him six times, eventually killing him, of course. And then she called her mother 10 or 15 minutes after the last shot. So I'm going to play the 911 call for you now. That's like the biggest wave of emotions to listen to. At the very beginning, you like, at least I was shocked she took ownership and like I was not expecting that call to go like that. And then it totally twisted into like a complete lack of ownership 
bullshit. Mm-hmm. To say that they've had a history of domestic violence, that he threw her into the couch, and she was actually trying to leave, which I don't believe, because I, she's shown a pattern of refusing to leave in the past. And I shot him, and then he was twitching, and I didn't want him to die, but I shot him again. She knew he was going to die. Knew he was going to die. Like, I mean, it's like, you're not putting your dog down. You don't want your, your dog to suffer, so you, you know, put him out of its misery. Like, this is a human being. Jeez. I know people who have more compassion for a dog than she had for Ryan Poston. I mean, That's it's just insane. amazing. Like, it's baffling. Um, and like I said, before she made that 911 call, she called her mom. She didn't even call 911 first. It was her mom that told her to call 911. Unreal. Mm-hmm. So when she gets to the police station, Shayna Hubers is being interviewed by the police, and her behavior eerily mirrors that of Jody Arias. So if you'll remember, Jody Arias was left by herself in the interrogation room and was recorded singing, singing Amazing Grace. I do remember that. Yeah. That's all I remember about the Jody Arias one was the re- weird behavior in the interrogation room. Yes. And then she was doing headstands. Yes, headstands against the wall. Yep, and talking to herself. Okay. So, well... With the exception of the headstands, Shayna did the exact same thing. She pranced and skipped and spun around the room. She was singing Amazing Grace and dancing by herself. And then she said, I did it. I did it. I can't believe I did that. And also said, I'm such a good actor. And then while speaking with an officer, she explained her version of events. But here's the thing that like really did her in, okay? In the very beginning, when they're reading her her Miranda rights, they say, you know, you have a right to an attorney and all this, and she requested an attorney, right? So when, like we've talked about before, when you request an attorney, the questions stop, right? So they didn't ask her any questions. She just started word vomiting on all over the police officers and the detectives that came into the room. So she starts explaining her version of events that she, quote, shot the man in self-defense. He was throwing me around the room, end quote. And at one point, another officer comes in, and this time it's just a female officer. She's there to essentially just keep her company. And she's not asking her any questions, but Shayna just starts having diarrhea of the mouth. And she says, quote, he was throwing me around the room, threw me into a bookshelf, and started screaming all these nasty things like, you're a hillbilly, everyone knows you're fucking crazy. She goes on to describe Ryan as a pill addict, addicted to Adderall, Xanax, and Ambien. But if you'll notice, her story changed a little bit from that 911 call. So on the phone with the dispatcher, she said that he threw her into a couch, but now she's telling cops he threw her into a bookshelf. And then she described on the phone call him being in front of her when she was making her way back into the apartment to get her things because if we're going to break up I got to get my stuff and go like that's not what happened she said he was sitting at the table and was motioning like he was about to get up like he put both hands on the table to kind of push himself up out of his chair and in the way the room is set up is He's kind of in the corner of the room. The, the room has these two walls here. I'm like motioning it for Austin. I know it's going to be hard to explain on a podcast, but the table and chairs is kind of, it's a circular table and it's kind of set up in the corner and he is in the corner. So like he's up against the wall. Okay. And he's sitting in the chair. And when he goes to stand up, 
That's when she reaches and grabs the gun from off the table. But when she's on the phone with dispatch, she said that she grabbed the gun from his hand. So early, early on, we see discrepancies in her stories. Then she makes a mind-blowing remark to this cop when she says he's very vain. And one of the last conversations that we had um, that was good was that he wants to get a nose job. He's just that kind of person. And I shot him right here, motioning to the bridge of her nose. I gave him the nose job he wanted. Oh, my gosh. She goes on to make more bizarre comments, laughing while she asks about life in jail and what it's like and pondering if anyone will want to marry her now that they'll know she killed a boyfriend before. Like she's saying all these things. This cop is just sitting there like nodding, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just kind of like, keep it coming, girl. Like, keep doing yourself in. This is all going to be able to be used against you. So naturally, she's arrested that night on murder charges. And the salacious story makes national headlines. Two years would go by before her trial finally started, which is really pretty typical, I feel like. A lot of time kind of passes by. So she claimed self-defense in front of a jury that included five women. So I think there was a real fear on behalf of Ryan's family that she would actually get away with this, that maybe she could convince a jury that this was in self-defense and necessary, right? So Ryan's family testified on his behalf as well as his ex-girlfriends and Audrey Bolt, Miss Ohio. But it was Shayna's own mouth that really did her in because the prosecution played the tape of her in the interrogation room where she said that she gave her boyfriend the nose job he always wanted. And former cellmates also testified about her, about they, their time spent with her, excuse me, um, recalling how she laughed about the murder and admitted that Ryan never actually hurt her and multiple cellmates told the same story, that Shayna admitted she was typically the aggressor in the relationship. It's wild that they go talk to cellmates. It's smart. It's just interesting to Is me. Is it smart? I feel like it's not smart at all. Really? Yeah, because you can't trust people who are in jail for doing crimes. Like, if you... I guess I just... I don't know. I just think it's an interesting perspective because they think that they're going to go into jail and sit with these cellmates and they're going to befriend them and tell them a true story. And be able to talk to somebody. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, and I, I get that. I get why you would think, like, maybe there's some camaraderie there because they're all in the same... They're all in it together, right? But you have to think. A lot of these people are, are out for themselves. And if they have a chance to testify against someone in an attempt to lessen their sentence or get, you know, time off of their sentence as a, as a deal then, yeah, they're going to take it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm sure... When listen, I said it's I interesting not... for them to talk to them, I'm talking about for the jury or the the attorneys and stuff to bring them. Oh. I'm not saying it's good for her to go talk to... I thought to... you were saying it was no, smart for her. No, I'm not saying her. it's smart for her. I'm saying it's smart for the the yes. whoever's doing the investigating to bring cellmates up and ask them their opinion. Right. And I don't know if it happens like that or if cellmates come forward and they're like, hey, I have information on this girl. Like, she's got diarrhea of the mouth and people probably need to know the things that she's saying. I mean, I don't know. But I just know that it happens a lot. Yeah. No, I think and it's really some, stupid for her to tell her cellmates. Yeah, especially such like such um, stuff that's going to really harm your case, right? Yeah. So anyway, multiple cellmates came forward, and she also said to these cellmates apparently that sh- when she would get into these fights with Ryan, she would get violent and throw furniture around to make it look like this violent assault occurred. 
and that she was also a genius with an Einstein-level IQ, so she was too smart to lose her case. Sounds like she was really smart. Yeah, really mature. So the other issue with her claim of self-defense was a complete lack of any injuries on Shayna's body from that night. She had not one single bruise. She had no documentation of any prior injuries either. One of her friends even had a text from Shayna that read, quote, and this was like from just weeks prior. It said, quote, when I go to the shooting range with Ryan tonight, I want to turn around and shoot him and kill him and play like it's an accident, end quote. Oh, my gosh. I'm not trying to have a show on, like, how to get away with murder, but, like, don't text that type of shit. Like, of course it's going to come and be used against you if you actually go and act on it. Like, if you are planning on doing something like this, girl, be quiet. I'm not trying to tell people how to get away with murder, but, like, you got to be smarter than I'm that. I'm not trying to tell people how to get away with murder, but I'm going to right like, now. This is why you're on my show, because you're just so dumb. Like, you are really, really dumb. What is that guy that's, like, he's coming in y'all windows, snatching up people up? Snatching people, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so anyway, on April 23rd, 2015, after five hours of deliberation, the jury found Shayna guilty of murder and recommended a 40-year sentence. So Shayna's defense tried to get the judge to believe that she was a victim of domestic violence, which would effectively reduce the amount of time that she would be required to serve before being eligible for parole to only eight years. But the judge said that he did not believe she was a victim of domestic violence and sentenced her to 40 years with the possibility of parole at 20 years. So the following year, on August 25th of 2016, Shayna's conviction was overturned after it was revealed that one of the jurors withheld a prior felony conviction, which is prohibited by Kentucky law. So her new trial began on August 8th of 2018. Time out. mm -hmm. How does something randomly like that come up a year later? Because when you go through like the appeals process, you can, you can, what I assume, this is my understanding of it, like you can kind of dig through how the first case went to see if you can find any mistakes in the trial. Okay, so somebody's combing through it. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's combing through it. Um, so anyway, her new trial began on August 8th of 2018, but the result was literally the exact same with a juror taking again, jury, excuse me, taking again five hours to deliberate and find her guilty of murder. So she was once again sentenced to 40 years in prison and will be eligible for parole in 2032. So a psychologist has claimed that he believes Shayna suffers from PTSD and personality, borderline personality disorder. And in 2018, she married another inmate behind bars, a transgendered woman who changed her name from Richard McBee to Unique Taylor and it was so bizarre. If you have time on your hands, which I don't know how I found time to watch this twice, but I did. There's an uncut interview, if you just search Shayna Huber's interview, where she's talking to um, a news anchor about this relationship she has with Richard McBee or Unique Taylor. She calls him by both names. It is so freaking bizarre. It's just so interesting to watch her talk because... You can tell, like, the lights are on, but, like, not everybody is home. It's just really (laughs) weird. She's, like, sticking her tongue out a lot and, like, wiping her lips with her tongue a lot. And she's, like, doing it super speedy fast. Like, it was just something that I noticed. Like, it was just really odd, bizarre behavior. She's messing with her mouth a lot. And the way she talks about this 
person. She refuses to talk about her case. And it's like, girl, come on. Like, I've, that's all anybody wants to talk about. Like, other than that, there's nothing interesting about you. So, like, that's, of course, what he's going to ask questions about. But anyway, it's like a 45-minute video of her talking to this guy. And if you have time, I think it gives you insight into what type of person Ryan Poston had to deal with. And um, it's really sad. So anyway, that is the story for today. Um, It had a horrible ending. Such a waste because Ryan Poston clearly had so much potential and it was cut short because of Shayna Hubers. It's really a shame. Yeah, that's freaking wild. What a lunatic. Yeah, a lunatic. These sometimes these women are as crazy as the dudes and I don't know, all these freaking people are crazy. It takes all kinds. It takes all I kinds guess. to make the mama mystery show roll. <laughs> That's exactly right. So stay tuned. Um tomorrow night, like I said, we're gonna have that episode on BTK for all of our Patreons out there, and then it'll be available to everyone else listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast or whatever you're listening to us on. It will be available to you next week. So stay tuned for that because it's going to be a doozy. You all wanted long episodes. This is going to be a long episode. Kelly told me to book two hours for it. So it might take two hours. I don't know. It's going to be a long one. I love you guys. Thank you all. Mama. Mystery. Out. Bye.